Welcome to the podcast of Redeemer Baptist Church of Panama. We hope that you enjoyed listening to the sermons and other audio provided by us. Feel free to share what you find here, and we hope that it will be beneficial to you as you seek to know and follow Christ. Revelation. Turn to Revelation chapter 2. And we'll begin with the uh, first letter to the seven churches there in Revelation. What is it that happens between the wedding day when the bride and the groom are so in love with one another, they just love to be around one another, and the day that a couple files divorce papers? What happens between those two days? Jesus here is speaking to the church of Ephesus and says, that they had lost their first love. You know, um, it, it, I think of my own life. I think of uh, when I first met Amy. Okay, She's not here tonight. She's not feeling well. But when I first met her, we, um, we went out on... We, we just loved being together. Um, we... I was working at a job in which she was the secretary who would give us orders to go out to do. And I, I loved just to go into the office whenever my boss had to talk to his boss, and I would just sit there and talk to her. And finally, whenever I got the, er, the, the uh, courage to ask her to go out on a date with me, she, um, we, we went out. It was, it was a good date, and uh, we enjoyed it. And that weekend, we each had to leave town. And she went off to go visit her family in Kansas, and I came, went up to Hannibal, Missouri for a wedding. And uh, when we got back into Bolivar, where we were both in college, we both arrived at the same time, and I happened to see her car go by, her truck that she was driving go by, and so I followed her to where she was going. We'd just been on one date at this time. <laughs> And, and I, I pulled up as she stopped, and I said, what are you doing? Well, I just got back into town, and we, we got to talking, and we decided to spend some more time together. And then later on, as we were dating uh, more, um, we just we loved to spend time with each other so much, so we decided we, maybe we were spending too much time together, so we decided we were going to take a day off. And about halfway through the day, um, I called her up. And I, we were just talking, and I, I said, well, wouldn't it be funny if I was going for a walk and just happened to run into you? And she said, oh, that would be really funny if, if I just went for a walk and we just happened to run into each other. So we said, oh, yeah, that would be great if that just happened to happen. And so we both hung up our phones, and we went walking, and we found each other, and we spent the rest of the day together. So we just, you know, you know how it is. If you've been married, if you are married, you, you have experience that feeling of just wanting to be with that person all the time but how you know how life gets and even if it doesn't ever lead to divorce or anything like that there's just a, a sense in which it it's not like it was in the early days is it um over time we 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 settle into kind of a a, a day-to-day routine jesus here kind of says that's what it's like for the church at Ephesus. They, they were fiery hot with love for Jesus at the very beginning. Yet they had lost their first love. 
They were maybe going through the motions. But it wasn't out of love. It was more of a drudgery of just doing it because that's what they were expected to do. Let's read what uh, Jesus says to the church at Ephesus. In Revelation chapter 2, he begins, To the angel of the church in Ephesus write, The words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks among the seven golden lampstands. I know your works, your toil, your patient endurance, and how you cannot bear with those who are evil, but have tested those who call themselves apostles and are not, and found them to be false. I know you are enduring patiently and bearing up for my name's sake, and you have not grown weary. But I have this against you, that you have abandoned the love you had at first. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen. Repent and do the works you did at first. If not, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place, unless you repent. Yet this you have, you hate the works of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the one who conquers, I will grant to eat of the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. Father, we thank you that you are speaking by the Spirit, through this letter dictated by Jesus to your church, to your churches. Father, we pray that you would give us ears to hear. Lord, that's, that's what the letter says. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Lord, let us have those ears to hear. Let us hear what your Spirit is saying to us. Father, be with me. I'm weak. I'm sinful. I need to have the love for You stoked in my own heart. Lord, I pray that You would do those things among Your people tonight. In Jesus' name, Amen. We had just had in the last chapter a vision of Jesus that was risen and glorified. He came to John in a vision and he was, he, he, he was identified as the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last. He, he came with white hair, with a long robe, with a golden sash around his chest. And he had eyes like flames of fire. He had a sword coming out of his mouth when he spoke. And he held the seven stars in his hand. And he, he walked among the golden lampstands. This was the picture we just saw in the last chapter. Well, as Jesus begins to tell these letters to John for him to write down, each individual letter he begins in a very similar way. He points out some of the characteristics that you see in the last chapter. So here we see to the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand. 
who walks among the seven golden lampstands. We saw who that was in the last chapter. That was Jesus, the same one who said He is the first and the last, the same one who said, I died, yet I have risen again. I'm alive again. This is Jesus speaking. And what do these two things tell us? One, He is sovereign over His church. The end of the last chapter, it tells us what this image means about the seven stars and the seven golden lampstands. It says, As for the mystery of the seven stars you saw in my right hand, and the seven golden lampstands, the seven stars are the angels of the seven churches. And the seven lampstands are the seven churches. So as Jesus here identifies Himself as the one who holds the seven stars, He's saying, I've got you in my hand. I'm in control. You may be going through persecution with Domitian as Caesar. You may be going through different trials and tribulations, but I am in control. I hold the churches in my hand. He is in control, yet what we see later here in the letter, they're also responsible for what they do. Jesus is sovereign. He's in control. But He has something against them that He's going to get to here later. They're held responsible for their choices. Then Jesus identifies Himself as the one who walks among the golden lampstands. Those golden lampstands, remember they represent the seven churches. So Jesus walks among His churches. He is present there with them. They are suffering persecution and it was an encouragement for them to know Jesus was there with them. And it is an encouragement for us to know today the same thing. We may be small, We may go through trials and tribulations. We may suffer persecution. We may have any number of things that just don't go the way we thought they should go. Yet Jesus is in control. And Jesus walks with us. He walks among His churches. Now He begins His letter... And you know, it's always a good idea when you're writing someone a letter with some criticism, start out with something positive, right? You don't want to just go straight to the criticism. That's not always the way the Bible does it. I think in Galatians, he goes straight at it. But here, Jesus, he begins with how they have done some things right. He says, I know your works, your toil, and your patient endurance. How you cannot bear those who are evil, but have tested those who call themselves apostles and are not, and found them to be false. I know you were enduring patiently and bearing up for my namesake, and you have not grown weary. These are some good things Jesus says to his church, to his churches. They have been faithful. They have have, uh, endured persecutions and they have not given in. They have not recanted their faith in Jesus, but they have held firm, patiently enduring. That is a good thing. And they have worked. They have labored. They have toiled. They have lived a life 
of good works like Jesus calls us to. Like what He says in the Sermon on the Mount. We're to live lives of good works so that others see our good works and they glorify God in heaven. And also, they have contended for doctrinal faithfulness. It says, I know um, you have... You cannot bear with those who are evil. You have tested those who call themselves apostles and and have found them to be false. Back in 2 John, John was the same one who wrote 2 John. He wrote Revelation. He wrote 2 John. And it's likely that... uh, Because John probably, tradition tells us, he spent a lot of time in Ephesus, that... He was writing 3 John possibly to the church in Ephesus. And in the letter to 2 John, of 2 John, it tells us they were, there were these false apostles who were, who were um, claiming to be apostles, but they were, they were not. And they, uh, John warns them about them. He tells them to stay away from this false teaching. John here, Jesus recognizes they've done that. They have listened to the warning. They have contended for the truth. But Jesus has something against them. They have had good works. They have been patiently enduring under tribulation and trials. And they have fought for doctrinal integrity. But they've lost their first love. Verse 4, But I have this against you, that you have abandoned the love you had at first. Maybe they were just going through the motions. Maybe they, they, they just got into a routine. And so often that can be that way with us. We're going to church on Sunday because that's what we've always done. We, we meet together midweek service, all these other things, because that's what we've always done. Is it a routine? Or is it motivated by the love we have for Jesus? Jesus says doing the right things, all these good works, fighting for doctrinal integrity, those are good things. He doesn't tell them to stop those things. But He says, you've lost your first love. What do we do when we find ourselves in a position of having lost our first love? If Jesus is that first love, how do we stoke the fire so that we love Him like we did at first? We're in good good shape here. Jesus tells us. The next verse, He says, Remember therefore... Where you have fall, from where you have fallen, repent and do the works you did at first. He tells us what the answer is to a love that's grown cold. Remember, repent, and do the things you did at first. Just think about in a marriage. What can remind you? What, what can make you have 
your love stoked again for the person you're married to. But thinking back on that wedding day, thinking about the way he or she looked, about the things that they said to you, remembering that day. Remembering the feelings that you had for that person. That can stoke the fires of of love. Or, let me put it this way, maybe you've come home and there's a big stack of dishes. And you're wondering, you've been here all day, why couldn't you have done the dishes? Just remember the promises you made, the feelings you had on that wedding day. Jesus tells us, what are we to do when when our love has grown cold? We remember the love we had at first. Or for a baby, a newborn baby, you know, is born the very day he's born, you're just filled and overwhelmed with emotion, just overwhelmed with how wonderful this little child is, and you just love him, and then you've got about two years worth of diapers to change, (laughs) and potty training that takes much longer than that. And then they start doing things that you think, why? I've told you 16,000 times and you're still doing it. What can stoke those fires of love? You remember this little baby you held. And you think about this, this precious thing that God has given you. You remember. In the same way, Jesus tells us When we have lost our first love, Jesus tells us, remember from where you have fallen. Remember that. Remember your experience that you had whenever I saved you. What your life used to be like without me and how I have changed you. Remember the Gospel. How... Should we have the fires of love for Jesus stoked? We need to remember how we became Christians by believing the Gospel about Jesus who was fully God, who was with the Father from all eternity as the second person of the Trinity, who came down out of heaven and became a human being and who walked among human beings and suffered and was mocked and ridiculed and who, was, who took many stripes for us. Who was crucified, who had a, a crown of thorns driven onto His head. All for so that we could be forgiven. That ought to stoke the fires of love for us, thinking about what Jesus did for us, and also thinking about what we were, thinking about our sin, not just even before we became a Christian, but even after we become a Christian, the sin that we still struggle with, and know that Jesus has forgiven that. We might be tempted to be irritated at another person because they've slighted us in some small way. And yet, what we have offended God with, what we have offended God with even every day, is so much more than that. And yet, Jesus died for us. He loved us. We would, none of us, love God if it was not for the fact that He loved us 
first. So we remember the love that we had at first. We remember from where we have fallen. We repent. We've got to recognize we're in a wretched condition. If we've lost our first love, we've got to recognize it. We've got to turn from it. You know, he's not talking to lost people here. He's talking to believers whose love has grown cold. He says we've got to repent of it. Repentance is not something we just do at the beginning of the Christian life. He's telling believers to repent. We've got to repent of our love that's grown cold. Turn away from it. Agree with God that that is what has happened. And then, He tells us to do the things you did at first. You know what? A new church... You know, this is talking about doing the things that the church did in the very first when they first became a church. A new church, and we are a new church plant in a way. I mean, I know it's a little bit different because we have some members from the old church that was here and, and there's some complications that, but we are a new church here. And so it's easier for us to stay on mission. This is what we're about we want, to, we want to stay on mission. We're about proclaiming the gospel to the community of Panama here. And we don't have a bunch of traditions that we've piled up and piled up to distract us from the central focus on the gospel. But it's so easy to do so. To just let those traditions just creep in and they distract us and take us away from our mission. What is that? doing the things we do at first, we've got to stay focused on the mission of proclaiming Jesus Christ. And Jesus gives a warning. If you do not do this, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. You know, Jesus tells us earlier in the Gospels, He says, I will build My church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And that is absolutely true. Jesus' church will continue to march on. The world around us gets uglier and uglier. The things We, we continue to, to face more and more persecution. But Jesus' church will not be stopped. The gates of hell will not prevail against it. But, He does not give that promise to any particular local congregation. Jesus here says, if you don't repent, church of Ephesus, I will come and I'll take your lampstand from you. I'll de-church you. You'll no longer be there. It is urgent. When we hear the voice of Jesus speaking to us, He's not threatening that we will somehow lose our salvation. He will take away all of our effectiveness at reaching any community if we do not stoke the fires of our love for Him. And then He doesn't end on a downer. He sandwiches 
his criticism in between two positive things. You know, he had already talked about how they were they contended for doctrinal faithfulness. They were working hard. They they also contended. They 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 persevered. And then he gives the criticism, and on the back end, he tells them another good thing. Yet you have this. You hate the work of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. Now that, that strikes us maybe as a little bit strange. Jesus hates something? He says, hey, I hate, you hate the works of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. I think this is a false teaching that was there, and probably a false teaching that had something to do with their works. It says you, you hate the works of the Nicolaitans. We don't know about the Nicolaitans from anywhere other than here in the book of Revelation. We don't read about them in other places in Scripture. But later on in the chapter, in the same chapter, he talks about the Nicolaitans when it comes to the church of Pergamum. And there, beginning in verse 14, he says, But I have a few things against you. You have some who are holding the teachings of Balaam, who brought Balak to... Put a, um, who taught Balak to put a stumbling block before the sons of Israel so that they might eat food to sacrifice to idols and practice sexual immorality. So also you have some who hold the teachings of the Nicolaitans. So our only hint to what the Nicolaitans were teaching was that maybe it had something to do with idolatrous practices and sexual immorality. Jesus hates those things. He hates the works of the Nicolaitans, he tells us here. He does, he, and we ought to hate the things that Jesus hates idolatry, sexual immorality. And you know what? Sometimes we can get excited about saying things like that, about pointing our finger out at idolatry and sexual immorality. But remember, he tells the church of Pergamum, they had it inside the church. How much more should we be concerned about idolatry inside the church? How much more should we be concerned about sexual immorality inside the church? There'll be more on that whenever Jesus comes to Pergamum. That's the commendation He gives them. They, they hated the works of the Nicolaitans just like He did. And then He closes it, He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Notice, He's writing this letter to a specific church, to the church of Ephesus. But He ends this saying, Let him who has ear, let, the, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. So, when this letter was sent... It was sent to seven churches, probably passed from one to the next. Kind of a circular letter. What was meant for one was good for all of them to hear. And by extension, I think though this was intended originally for the church of Ephesus, it speaks to churches throughout history. We need to hear Jesus' words to the church of Ephesus we need the Spirit to open our ears to what the church, Jesus said to the church of Ephesus. And then He closes with a promise. To the one who conquers, I will grant to eat of the tree of life which is in the paradise of God. 
He, just, he doesn't just leave us there saying, this is what you do. That's it. But He gives us a motivation in the form of a promise. If you repent, and if you overcome, if you conquer, I'll give you to eat of the tree of life. While this church was suffering persecution, while they suffered from many trials and tribulations, Jesus says, if you overcome, if you repent, I'll give you to eat of the tree of life. You'll get to be with God in paradise. I think the brunt of what Jesus is saying to us tonight Don't let our love grow cold. And if it is, remember. Remember the Gospel. Remember what He's done for us. Remember and repent. Turn away from that cold heart. And do the things we did at first. In that remembering... We need to remember this. We love Him because He first loved us. Thank you for listening to this message from Redeemer Baptist Church of Panama. For more information, please visit us at RedeemerBaptistPanama.wordpress.com or you can like us on Facebook. Facebook.